now number one for podcasting. The PSJs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We now here's Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. Good morning and welcome in once again. Miller and Condon on the air with you back on a Tuesday. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Hope everybody's got their green on here today. And, uh, well, the green beer will not be flowing as we normally have this time of year. Of course, as we continue on with the coronavirus and the pandemic that continues across the country. But we have sports to talk about here today. Coming up on the BMW of Des Moines guest list, a busy one. We're going to be talking NFL here at the bottom of the hour. Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports will be our guest, national columnist with Yahoo. We'll get his perspective. Tom Brady, the big announcement of today, the flurry of activity in free agency over the last 24 hours. We will get into that and a whole lot more with Frank Schwab. 10.45, Shelby Mast, our bracketologist. Normally, this is the time to figure out what Shelby got right, what he got wrong. Well, of course, we will not have that with no NCAA tournament this year, but Shelby, his final bracket, we'll talk about that a little bit, where he had Iowa, did he have UNI in. We'll get into that with Shelby Mast. And also, over on his website, bracketwag.com, along with USA Today, He is also going to be putting together as the games would be tipping off as they would be happening, at least according to his bracket. He is going to be having a simulation. You can go, you can vote for the teams that you think are going to advance in each and every game. So though it'll be just a simulation of madness, we'll still have it with Shelby Mast, and we'll do that at 1045. ESPN Zuba Mahente to come later on today in the 11 o'clock hour. He will kick things off. And then our deep dive today As we're going to do here in the coming weeks, we're going to look back at a great team in the state's history. Today, one of the greatest, the 1999-2000 Iowa State basketball team. We're going to go through, we're going to talk about the highlights, we'll talk about the lowlights, we'll talk about the season as a whole, diving deep into it. Got tons of highlights, tons of memories from that season, 99-2000 Iowa State basketball on the docket for today. And then... Ken will be back with me with me to end the program today at about 11.45. Right now, Ken is on the phone lines with us from his self-containment on Ankeny. Ken, good morning to you. How are you? Hi, Trent. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, last good. night, so as you heard and as I've told you, my idea here is we're looking for content. Now, luckily, the content, uh, we got plenty of it with NFL, and we're going to talk about that with you this morning. But going through, talking about some of these great teams Started with the 99-2000 Iowa State team. And last night, what did I do for well, probably about an hour and a half? I went back and watched completely start to finish Iowa State-Michigan State from 2000. You know, I wish I would have, Trent. And, uh, you know, that's, I'm going to start doing that exercise going forward. I guess that never even dawned on me to go ahead and uh, to search for that game um, and, and rewatch it to get in, in tune for what we saw about uh, 20 years ago or whatever it was here. So that's something I'm, cause I, I honestly, I'm almost at the end of my rope watching all of this Corona stuff. I think yeah. I'm making myself crazier. I really do. Uh, I want to stay obviously in touch with what's going on, but I think I'm overloading myself and maybe that's um, something that we should all, you know, take into consideration is to when's enough, enough about this and go for a walk and try and keep some sanity 
I know I'm driving my wife nuts every time I hear a new statistic. I run in and I tell her, did you hear this? Did you hear that? Uh-huh. And, um, and, and she's fed up with me already, and it's only 12. When did we start? Saturday, Sunday, it's up for day four. Um, so I think from uh, in advance of tomorrow, I'm going to look at some of the games from that 2002 team. But regarding this one here today, um, Trent, this was unbelievable. This run that they went on uh, and to get to where they did, and obviously uh, the game in Palace Hills and the – you know, the, um, uh, where the game was played in Michigan State's backyard and the rosters of both teams. I, I'm still convinced the more that I look back over the, you know, Iowa State basketball history, at least since I've been here, and you know, that's, uh, unfortunately, I, I can't help, you know, I, I won't be able to help you when you're doing teams of the 80s because I was in Canada yeah. and Iowa State basketball didn't move the needle and their football was never on TV. I do remember the 85 Michigan Iowa game of oh, all okay. things. Yeah, and some of the Rose Bowls because the Rose Bowl was always big, but this back to the here now what we're talking about, the 99-2000 team. I I still think Jamal Tinsley was one of the most dynamic players to ever put on a Cyclone uniform. He was so gifted. And of course, you know Curtis Stinson would come after and maybe you know as good as Stinson was, maybe that prevented some from some fans from you know realizing just what they had with with Jamal Tinsley because he was a wizard with the basketball and you throw in Pfizer on that team and Cantrell Horton was really good defender and Rancic who am I missing now uh, Michael Nurse played a lot of minutes yes, and had a great. big big role Stevie Johnson who would finish his athletic career playing football for Dan McCarney as a part of that cycle of football team he went over and played tight end I think uh, in the fall of that year, Paul Sullivan's on that team. Um, and then Iowa State's, I mean, the Michigan State's roster. But uh, if it would have should, and I look forward to talking about that game at the end of the season. I know Eustacia got tossed. Yeah. There were some crazy calls at the end of it. You know, Izzo, Izzo's been getting away with uh, with working the officials for a long time. Uh, <laughs> it was certainly <laughs> on display uh, that night back at uh, Palace Hills. Uh, in Michigan. Yeah, I remember as we were go, uh, remembering back here a month ago when Iowa and Michigan State were playing and somebody brought that up. Ah, Izzo, he deserves the benefit of the doubt. He, he's earned that right. <laughs> like, well, he's been getting those calls for 25 years. It just, it's the way that he works officials. That's always been part of his game. He didn't have a national championship yet at that time, yet he was still getting those calls back in 2000 before they ultimately cut down the nets. But, but a great season. You mentioned the roster there. It wasn't an overly deep team. Pfizer, Nurse, oh. Tinsley, Johnson, Cantrell, Horton, Paul Shirley, and out and Rancic a little bit, but Rancic. outside of that, yeah. Brandon Hawkins was a, a name that for whatever reason had oh, yeah. he had yeah. emptied out of my memory bank and then watching the highlights as I have here, oh boy, I, this is something as you know, I, I probably spent way too much time doing it, not only watching a full game, but getting highlights yesterday. I told my wife, Ah, oh, you know what, I, I should be back by four o'clock or so. I spent like three hours just looking through highlights yesterday <laughs> of this team. They were so much fun. Now, I was a sophomore at Iowa at the time. Iowa State, mm-hmm. of course, a rival. And I had friends that were at Iowa State, but it was a rivalry. And yep. if they were wearing, I said this for a long time during that time period, if they had anything other than Iowa State across their chest, that would have been one of my favorite college basketball teams of all time. But because of where I was in the world at the time, they couldn't be. I just... I loved watching that team, and I go down to my. I had a room. Uh, lived in a big house with ten guys in it, and my room was down in the basement. I go down there, so everybody else is watching the big ESPN game, and I'd be watching Cyclone games. We got them on KCRG over there as they were playing through the Big Twelve that season. Here's another crazy note: 
This team was not ranked until they got to 17-3. and February 1st was the really? first time that team was ranked during the season. That, that's cool. Well, they lost to Drake, don't forget. They, they did. lost to Drake early in a horrible game, a real low-scoring game. 48-44. Is that what it was? 48-44. Wow. I didn't think it was that bad. Um, but I remember they lost the joint, so I'm not surprised that they weren't ranked. And then they would go 14-2, and and they'd win the conference, and they'd win the, the conference tournament. And Larry Eustachy, was it year two for him? Two or three, I want to say, for Eustachy. But he hadn't gotten things going yet at Iowa State. And, man, once this team caught fire, and, this, and uh, Eustachy's coaching started to rub off on them a little bit. And you're right, this wasn't the deepest team, but boy, they had some dudes, Pfizer, of course, uh, and Jamal Tinsley. I, again, I'm, I'm convinced that Jamal Tinsley's place at Iowa State, I, look, it's not up to me to rank them. Iowa State fans know their teams certainly better than uh, uh, than anybody, but man, any if you're putting together an all-time Iowa State team in the last, you know, if you have to, in, in this century, Jimmy um, I mean, Tinsley has to be on, any, on anybody's list. God, he was gifted with the ball. Yeah, yeah, there's a, a highlight that I'm going to play a little bit later. They're playing a game against Colorado. He's just slicing. No, don't through. you know, don't don't do the coast to coast against Hampton at the end <laughs> when he had the ball in his hand. No, no, that that, that will not yeah, be that a part. That still leaves a mark. I'm assuming to clone fans. No doubt, you know, and that that if this uh, this extends on and we don't have sports for two three months, if we're getting well, deep I mean, into the so summer, here's the thing. Just, let me let me stop you right now. We're, I, I think it would be almost like sports miracle. I don't want to say those two things, right? It would be other miracles at this point. But I just, I just don't see. I said yesterday that I thought the best case scenario, Major League Baseball, the countries, and who knows, you know, the country's get the mood of the country is going to be like we've never seen it before. Wouldn't it be almost like a movie script? for baseball to come back on July 4th weekend, right? Mm-hmm. America's pastime, not sure it still is, but it's baseball and it's sports and it's a little bit of normalcy. I'm not even sure that that's realistic at this point. I mean, the the, the derby, as we talked about for, for weeks, they're not going to run the derby. They just don't realize they're not running the derby. And until yesterday, they didn't. It's now opening weekend of college football. So as much as I love you know the Kentucky Derby, it's going to be completely overshadowed by, by, by week one of college football. Um, but things have changed, Trent, and I, I just – it's this wave. I keep seeing it, right? And we mirror Italy, and look where Italy's at now. And if you superimpose the graph of what's happened in China and South Korea and Italy, they're almost identical. Where it starts and where they've gotten, and you can see the, the states is creeping up because we're only in, you know, essentially whatever it is, a week or 10 days. So I don't, um, I guess bottom line is I think we're going to have plenty of time to do these looking back at some of the best teams. And sadly, we might run out of good teams and have to do disappointing teams before this comes to an end. I think you're going to be right on that one, no doubt. Well, Ken, as we mentioned at the top, there has been plenty of sports news that has at least kept us occupied here in the last 24 hours, but the biggest news came just a few hours back. If you missed it, I don't know where you've been, but (laughs) Tom Brady has announced via Instagram that his time with the New England Patriots has come to an end. Yeah, you know what, Trent, and and, um, I'm not a Patriots fan, obviously, and I don't think the country is. Not that we don't respect them, we're just, we want change. We finally saw this this year when they got knocked out in the first round, the playoffs and Brady's first, or his final pass as a Patriot. 
I mean, it's all over Twitter now. Some folks are having a little bit of fun. His last pass as a Patriot was a pick six uh, as the ball was deflected. But, you know, I, in, in sports, don't you want these guys that, I mean, he's the greatest quarterback. And as an Elway fan, it pains me to say it. And I'm sure Niner fans that felt Montana was the best quarterback to ever play. Everybody's got to move down a peg because this is the greatest. Look at the rings he's got. Um, I wanted him to end as a Patriot. He's going to end up as a Charger or a Colt or maybe a Chicago Bear. But shouldn't the shouldn't the elite at their level um, and, and in any sport? Although I mean, Gretzky was the great one, and he wore a bunch of uniforms before it came to an end. But selfishly, you know, it's too bad Brady can't finish where he started and just walk away. Um, and, and the Patriots make it work for one more year, but he is going to go, and now we all speculate where he's going to end up, uh, which is going to be fun to watch in its own right. I think he's going to be a charger. Um, the Bears are shopping for a quarterback. I mean, they're, they're making it very well known that they're kicking the tires on Foles and on Bridgewater and maybe on Dalton. Maybe Tom Brady gets a call from Ryan Pace just to see you know, what, the, uh, what it's going to take to sign him. But it's... Uh, it's great we have NFL to talk about, Trent. It's really, uh, I think, fortunate that we have uh, in these times something that we can at least a shred of what we ha- uh, had not too long ago to be able to talk sports. And The NFL has been great for that. I mean, how about yesterday, the trade, the, the Hopkins for David yes. Johnson trade, and how Twitter blew up with that. Are you kidding me? One of the best receivers in the game. And look, at David Johnson had a 2,000 combined yard season not too many years ago. He's still a good player. We think. I mean, he's been injured so darn much, but I'm I'm so glad that the NFL decided to go forward with this. The owners did not want to. The Players Association put their foot down, and they were the ones that insisted, "No, we're not going to um, we're not going to delay this. We want um, we don't you know, the the players don't need to go and meet with any teams. The physicals can wait. Let's do this now." And I'm so glad that that's what uh, that was what was decided because we need this right now. You uh, mentioned that trade, and then the trade that happened later last night as Stephon Diggs leaves to go to yeah. Buffalo, and, and the trade that happened there, and the haul that the Vikings got on that wow. trade. I, that's one where I see it for the first time on Twitter, and I say, well, that can't be right. After what we <laughs> just saw, De- DeAndre Hopkins is, I, I don't know how, how to measure it. He's a much better wide receiver, though, overall. Than Stephon Diggs, and you see the difference yeah. in those two trades. I, I don't know if the Texans are completely overvaluing what David Johnson is, if they haven't seen what this guy has been the last couple of seasons, but that was crazy. Good work out of Spielman and the Vikings. Yeah, I mean, no no doubt. You, you look at some of the some of the moves that they have made. I mean, Jadavian Clowney, to see how they didn't get a first-round pick for him. They didn't get a first-round pick for DeAndre Hopkins. It's just crazy what... Uh, what Houston is willing to do with getting rid of some of their guys and getting very little back in return. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was a fun day yesterday, and the Diggs thing was clearly a haul. What did they get? A, they got the 25th overall pick, a five and a six this year, and a four next year in exchange for uh, for Diggs, who's a terrific player. Stephon Diggs always be remembered as the Minneapolis miracle on the receiving end of that. But uh, when he when Cousins signed yesterday, and Diggs, Diggs went on Instagram or Twitter, wherever it was, and you know made his case known that he wasn't happy there. Uh, the writing was on the wall, so it wasn't like that. The Vikings, I don't think, were playing from a uh, from a strength in this case, but they were able to get a bounty 
a bounty for Stephon Diggs. Good for Rick Spielman. So now the Vikings have what? 20, pick 22 and 25 in the upcoming draft. So, you know, if you, if you, if you if there's somebody you have to have. You've got some ammunition if you want to put those two picks together and try and move up. You mentioned the Bears continue to look for a quarterback. Saw Chase Daniels signed uh, as the Lions backup here earlier this morning. He's out of Chicago. Oh, I missed that. Did he sign there? I didn't see that. Yeah, that one happened, I think, right as we were taking the air here this morning. So that one went on. Blake Martinez, he leaves yep. the pa- the Packers to go to the Giants. But on the other side... Christian Kirksey showing up in Green Bay, a guy that really was a cap casualty, I think, more than anything with the Browns, as he hasn't been overly healthy the last couple of years. Well, you hit the nail on the head. I don't think he would have been a cap casualty if he was healthy because he was off to a very productive start in his career. Yeah, I like that move for the Packers. I think, uh, you know, the Packers lost Jimmy Graham to your Bears, obviously different position, but all of the teams, Trent, if, if you're a fan of an NFL team, I find it hard to believe that all 32 teams did not make the transaction wire yesterday. So point being is whatever team you cheer for of the 32, uh, your team probably made some news uh, yesterday, I think, which is uh, uh, very much needed at this point. But Kwiatkowski, your Bears, I, this is a kid I think they're going to miss. I really do. Yeah. Uh, I thought, don't do it. I mean, he played very well. Remember him in the Big 12 at West Virginia? Yes. No doubt. Really? Yeah, I mean, a great college player. I wasn't sure he was going to I was surprised, quite honestly. I remember asking you about him earlier during the football season. You know, what's this kid's story? Because he just jumped off the screen. He, t- he came in for when Trevathan got hurt, right? And yes. Had Danny Trevathan not been banged up, I'm not sure he would have had his extensive playing time. But, you know, he's a Raider now. I don't see Brady to the Raiders. Um, I know that there was that speculation, but... You know, I, I'm still convinced he's going to be a Charger. I really am. He's going to spend all that money to open up um, some film business uh, out in Los Angeles. And he's a California guy. I could see him ending his career in California. Another local angle here as A.J. Klein gets a three-year deal, $18 million with Buffalo. He'll be going there, uh, reuniting with Sean McDermott, who he played with mm-hmm. when he was with the Saints. So certainly good to see uh, that one. A.J. Klein, a guy that's... Carved out a really nice NFL career. No, he really has. I mean, he was a member of the, he was on the Panthers for a long time. I think he was in the Super Bowl. I think he was on that team before he went, uh, became a Saint and played well with the Saints. Look, Jake Knott and A.J. Klein, they formed a really yeah. good uh, a team of linebackers, tandem of linebackers, um, back not, not too long ago. And Jake Knott never caught on with, uh, with Philadelphia. But, um, you know, those two in particular – uh, they, they were really good, and A.J. Klein has had a nice career. Look at the Bills trend. I mean, the Bills are, you know, Josh Allen, I, I love Josh Allen. He's, he's, I think his accuracy, he was, he was 29 last year, 20 touchdowns and only nine picks, which was a marked improvement over his rookie year, as most of them are, granted. But you can see that, you know, he's trending in the right direction. There's clearly going to be a changing of the guard at the top of the AFC East, and the Bills are now the co-favorites. Uh, to win that division, so the Bills are making some noise. You, uh, you've seen the division odds, huh? I haven't seen any. I saw Super Bowl odds that were updated with the, all the free agency as it continued. I hadn't seen division odds. Where were those at? Do you remember offhand? I don't. I saw them on Twitter. Oh, probably nine o'clock this morning. I think that they were. I think the Patriots and the Bills were both plus a buck and a quarter. Okay, if memory serves, uh, and. Um, 
I think the Jets were the longest shot in the division. Miami was somewhere in the middle. But yeah, I, and I'm not I'm not saying I saw all the divisions, but I did see the AFC East, and you might have been offshore. I'm not sure where it was. Any belief at all about the possibility of Brady going to Tampa? Two outstanding receivers out there that are big time yeah. players. He was always wanting weapons. Well, he'd certainly have it in Tampa. That that one's even more hard to imagine than him in a Chargers or Raiders or a Bears uniform. Just him, especially if they go back to the creamsicles, that's hard to see Tom Brady. <laughs> well, I think that they are the favorites. The, the Buccaneers are the favorites uh, for his services. And then there's a the trickle-down effect there, right? I mean, what, what happens to Jameis Winston? Yeah. Who I guess, weren't we, didn't we see this a couple of, within the last week that he, he finally got, he went for an eye exam and he needs glasses. And he's been playing with, uh, uh, with, uh, inferior vision over the last little while. And, you know, you just kind of make a joke about it because of all the picks that he throws. But, uh, Jameis Winston might be on the market. Yeah. I mean, I've seen Tampa Bay. I'm still going to say that, uh, the Chargers make the most sense for him. Philip Rivers, where's he going to go? He's rumored to be going uh, to the Colts um, with with Frank Reich. So that one might make some sense. But the quarterback carousel is about to get in, uh, pick up another gear as we um, as we talk more NFL in the days to come. Gratefully, looking at those odds right now, this is from FanDuel. Tampa, the favorite at minus two fifty, pretty substantial favorite mm-hmm. there. For Tom Brady's Week One team, the Chargers the second choice plus one sixty, Dolphins at fifteen to two, Raiders at fifteen to one, Niners at nineteen to one, and my Bears at thirty four to one. Hey, Chicago lost an icon when Michael Jordan decided to lace them up again with the Washington Wizards. Yeah. So I, I think turnabout's fair play here. Brady, you got to go to the Bears. I don't care what the salary cap number says. You know what, Trent? And honestly, uh, look, the Bears can't trade for anybody. They're only the first round pick, so. It's- I don't know what Foles is going to bring on the market, but I, I think whoever the Bears bring in is going to – I mean, you probably get Andy Dalton for a song because Cincinnati has no leverage once they draft Joe Burrow. Um, but Brady is a Bears, and, and then I think you find a way to keep Mitchell Trubisky, mm-hmm. and you know you let him learn under the greatest to ever play the game for a year or two, whatever Brady wants, and then you gave up so much to, to – uh, Get you didn't have to move from three to two. It doesn't sound like a lot, but you invested a lot in this quarterback, and he was going to be your guy. And you thrust him in there right off the bat. Maybe, uh, maybe you let him sit uh, and marinate and learn behind Tom Brady. So, I, if I'm Ryan Pace, I, I think you've got to at least make that phone call. Do you remember? We're talking months ago now when this rumor first came out that Brady and the Patriots are headed for a divorce at some point in the offseason, and instantly the Bears were the first team to pop up. Do you remember that? I do. I remember you bringing that up, and it seemed like a pipe dream at the time. It did, and, and you know what? I'm not so sure that uh, that that's not going to be revisited. You know, here's the, here's the one thing, though. I really hope he kind of draws this out a little bit, <laughs> because... <laughs> As sick as we would have been of him drawing this out to make your damn mind up, would you just sign for crying out loud? I'm sick of this. No, take your time. Take your time. Let's take a let's take a look at the Bears tomorrow. Let's take a look at the Colts. Let's take a look at the Chargers. We've got time to do this, Tom Brady. Another angle that's just so baffling to me, knowing him and knowing at least as well as we can know him, is he's not going to go out there, obviously, with what's happening in the world and in our country. He's not going to go out and be visiting a bunch of facilities, and he's not going to have the opportunity, you wouldn't think, 
to get with his teammates and have OTAs and go through the things that you would feel are important to him. That's another angle where just 24 hours ago, I felt like Tom Brady was going to end up back in New England because of that, because of the unknown and his ability of some of the things that he is so good at. He's not going to have that same kind of ability now with what we're dealing with. Charles, that's an excellent point. It's an excellent point, and it's going to be the same way for all of these quarterbacks in in their new cities, right, wherever they go, because the league is going to be shut down until, you know, in all likelihood until July. There's no OTAs. There's no mandatory mini camps. There's maybe, and I'm not sure how the Players Association, if they green like this or not, or even if if there's something that falls under their, uh, their guides or their jurisdiction. Can you get together? You know how these quarterbacks and receivers they always get together for a week, at least a lot of them do, and they find some area where nobody's going to bother them, and they go throw for a couple of hours every day. I'm not even sure that they can do that in these times. So that's a great point about these quarterbacks. Once they get to their new cities, having to learn a new system, and uh, then we may see some struggles in the beginning. No doubt. Well, Ken, as we get out of here, back to the real world, and uh, this just comes in from the governor's office, a state of public health disaster emergency proclamation effective at noon today. This means temporary closure of bars and recreational facilities and moving restaurants to drive through, carry out, and delivery only. This comes from the governor's Mm -hmm. office. So uh, the news continues. Not a surprise. I, I think everybody understood that we were trending this direction, but that's out there right now. If you can, if your favorite restaurant's still open, help them out, pick up an order, have it delivered, whatever it may be. But the uh, the bars and recreational facilities will be closed as of noon today. Yeah, Trent, I'm, I'm not surprised. Good for Governor Reynolds. Good for Prairie Meadows, by the way, who got mm-hmm. in front of this yesterday morning. Uh, they were one of the first to close their doors and hats on. I've been critical for them over the years, um, but uh, credit where credit is due uh, for doing this. Yeah, I mean, Trent, once our show is over and I've already made these arrangements, I'm headed to Claxon's to go through the drive through window, <laughs> and I'm going to stock up on a bunch of barbecue for the next week or so and put it in the fridge and freeze some of the brisket or the sausage. But, yes, absolutely, that if you can, you know, support these businesses – because there's so there's so many people going to be affected, and now the bars and restaurants are the latest to join that list. Yeah, same thing for me. I was actually heading up afterwards talking. Bennigan's, they're newly opened up on Merle Hay. Just went through a huge renovation that took months and months and months to just open, and now they're going to be yeah. dealing with this. So I'm going to go up there and grab some lunch here afterwards, but that's what it's going to be. Delivery, carry out only. They were going to do a, a big ad, ad campaign with us and a run-through here at this time, but... For the foreseeable future, that's not going to be happening. But if you can, if your favorite restaurant's still open, support them if you can. It is important for these small businesses to keep it running, and we will reconvene and figure some things out. Ken, we'll talk again later in the show today. All right, Trent. uh, I look forward to hearing from you. That's Ken Miller checking in. We'll talk with him one more time here on the program. But coming up next, we're going to talk with Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. Dive into this NFL. We'll go even deeper and get the national perspective with Frank Schwab. That's coming your way next. Miller and Con until noon. Bye. Miller and Con continues 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Ken Miller, he'll be back with us late in the program, but right now we're going to dive back into the NFL. Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports joins us as he 
does throughout the NFL football season here, free agency. And Frank, I'll be frank with you. Normally at this time, we wouldn't have you on, even with free agency going on. We'd be talking March Madness, but now, boy, what a reprieve and a respite this has been for everything happening in our world and in our country to get this free agency and get our mind off of the craziness happening around us. Yeah, and I, I, I agree with that, and I think, anyway, that this was the right call. I, I know some people have criticized it, and I, yeah. I never understood it. This is not, look, yes, are there bad optics in uh, whoever signing a $30 million deal when, you know, the entire country is worried about the health care? Yes, I get that, but this isn't something that was affecting the public health in any way. There's no group, you know, there's no group uh, gatherings going on. It seems doing this by the phone. And I don't know, I've enjoyed having something else to think about and write about and, and all that kind of stuff. And I'm sure a lot of other people have. I, again, other than just that people like to criticize the NFL for everything, and, you know, it just kind of snowballs and everybody kind of jumps on, on a bandwagon and, oh, you know, that everybody else canceled things. NFL has to cancel free agency. I never really stood a, understood the real reason for canceling it or postponing it or anything. Let the NFL go about its business as usual. We can use the, the diversion. And, you know, they, they're, they have to prepare as if there's going to be a season starting on time. So I, I really saw no problem with it. You know, Frank, uh, as this morning got started with the Instagram message from Tom Brady, I was so surprised by it because of what is happening here. Tom Brady's a guy that he wants to be around the people in the facility. He wants to get to know them. He's not able to fly around the country right now and figure out what these facilities are, the teammates that he's going to have, the type of things that I felt on the surface were incredibly important. And that's why I I felt like it was a foregone conclusion that he was going to end up back in New England is it just that the relationship had deteriorated this much, or is there even more to it? I, I don't know. I, I mean, I just think that part of this is, is not necessarily, I don't think, a relationship. I think it's just the Patriots are very prudent, and they, they're around Tom Brady every day. And I, I think that they worried about a 43-year-old quarterback. I don't think that's, that's getting enough play. I don't think that... I, everybody, you know, everybody was kind of criticizing Tom Brady a little bit. Oh, he's not the same guy during last season. And then the offseason started, and everybody seemed to kind of forget that. And it was like, oh, the Tennessee Titans get Tom Brady, they'll be Super Bowl contenders. Well, maybe. I, I, Ryan Tannehill is a better quarterback than Tom Brady was last year. And I think that the Patriots had to see that. Uh, Bill Belichick's not dumb. And the fact that they never really tried to re-sign him, I think that I always thought the whole after it became obvious that they weren't making any real effort in re-signing him, and Robert Kraft coming out and saying we hope Tom hits free agency, that'd be a good thing for everybody. Well, it's not what you say about a guy you want back. So at that point, I kind of switched my mindset into uh, the Patriots kind of want a way out. They they don't know how to end the relationship. This is a unique thing that he Tom Brady's obviously the greatest player in franchise history, maybe the greatest player in NFL history, but they see the writing on the wall. They want to get out of this. How do they do it? Well, it, it's kind of just kicking the can down the road until free agency starts. Maybe someone signs him. And I think Brady saw that, too. And the fact that the Patriots never really made a play for him, I, I think that it's just it was time to move on, and, and Brady's going to start over, and the Patriots are going to start over, and it's going to be really, really weird. But I, I do. I think this was just a football decision. I really do. And that New England just kind of figured, you know, time's ticking, and... and there's no history of any 43-year-old quarterback doing anything positive in the NFL. 
so let's you know let's start over and try to try to keep this thing going as long as we can. Yeah, George Bland at this point he was just kicking, right? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the history of 43-year-old quarterbacks, it is literally Vinny Testaverde starting, I believe it was six games for the Panthers when he was 44, and he was terrible. And that's it. Like, I wrote about this the other day. It's, I mean, it's not just like, oh, there's a guy here, a guy there. But there's literally nobody. There is no history of any quarterback 43 or older having any success. Now, you can say there was no, quarter, there was no history of any quarterback 42 or older having any success before Brady. He's Look, he's an outlier. I get it. But I think the Patriots just kind of decided we'd rather be a year year too early than a year too late on this thing, and and, and let's go get Andy Dalton or Bridgewater or whoever is going to be their next guy. And that's been the mo for that organization for the last twenty years is doing that, and and to think that it would change for Tom Brady, maybe we were all a little foolish. I think that that would possibly be the case. More quarterback news: Cam Newton seeking permission for a trade from the Panthers. What do you have on that one? And that's one that, as a Bears fan, I. I would be okay with Cam Newton wearing a Bears uniform if they could figure out a trade for that one. What are you hearing, though, with the Panthers quarterback? Yeah, and I've always been a Cam Newton guy. I think he's been kind of underappreciated, and I think that's because his personality has rubbed people the wrong way since Auburn. You know, everything that's going on with him, I think that people don't appreciate what kind of a player he has been. He's one of the great dual-track quarterbacks of all time, and... But the questions with him, though, are like like almost with Brady, but he's 30. I mean, he, he has 934 career rushing attempts. He's taking a lot of punishment. He's not your typical 30-year-old quarterback. And, you know, if, if ever there was a, a guy who's 30, former MVP, hitting the open market, we'd say, wow, oh, my goodness, there's going to be a gold rush for him. But I don't know. I, I, I think there's some teams like the Bears are a good example of a team that could use him. Uh, but uh, – you're going to have to kind of talk yourself into, okay, how can Cam continue his career as a different quarterback? It's almost like a, a, a fireballer in his 20s who was thrown 98 and, and lost a couple miles an hour. Well, how does he reinvent himself with secondary stuff? I think Cam can't be the same guy he was the first you know, 10 years of his career, and he's been a great player, but... He's, he's just taking a lot of punishment. So I don't know. I don't know how that fits now, and I don't know if he's healthy. And on the Panther side of it, I, I assume they have a plan B. I assume Teddy's going to be announced pretty soon because I don't think you, you do this without knowing who your next quarterback's going to be. It's not Kyle Allen or Will Greer, I'll tell you that. So it's going to be very interesting to see what the Panthers' next move is and what market opens up for Cam. I, I don't I don't know that there's going to be some uh, rush to get him Although his resume has been very good, we just don't know what kind of quarterback he's going to be going forward. Definitely an interesting part of that. So the trade yesterday with Hopkins going to Arizona, David Johnson, a former Northern Iowa running back who had a great start to his career, but injuries have crept up there. That trade as a whole with the other pieces, the draft picks that were that are put in there, your perspective, was there a team that won the trade in your mind? Oh, I, I mean, there's no doubt that the Cardinals won that trade. I, I, I'm just blown away. I, I can't, I can't even wrap my head around it. When that when news broke that David Johnson was traded, because if you remember the timeline, it was uh, for like about ten minutes. It was just David Johnson was traded to the Texans. Right? That's all we knew. And my colleague Eric Edholm, uh, you know, said in our, our work chat. Well, I bet it was like a Brock Osweiler trade where the Cardinals had to throw in an extra draft pick to make it happen. And I said, yeah, that makes total sense because that contract, nobody's going to want to take it on. So, yeah, that, that makes sense. And then it turns out 
the Houston Texans gave up perhaps the best receiver in the NFL in that trade. I mean, what? Like, what? Like, this is just mind-boggling to me. You know, look, David Johnson might revive his career. He might have a, a great second act in Houston. The talent we've seen, but we also haven't seen him play very well since 2016. It's a long time. I know what I'm getting with DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, maybe he wants a new contract. Okay, we'll pay the man. He's worth it. Maybe he had issues with Bill O'Brien. Okay, we'll figure it out. And if you can't figure it out, get rid of Bill O'Brien before you get rid of DeAndre Hopkins. Because I know DeAndre Hopkins is really good at his job. I don't think Bill O'Brien is good at his. So I, I just this, this trade was in the moment. I mean, we see trades turn out bad, right? Like the Colts trading a first-round pick for Trent Richardson. But in the moment, that wasn't a bad trade. It was a debatable. This trade, in the moment, is the most lopsided trade I can remember in any sport. Like, legitimately. Like, Lou Bro- I wasn't around for Lou Brock for Ernie Broglio, but, <laughs> and that trade didn't turn out well. But this trade, in the moment, is so lopsided. Like, like everybody joked on Twitter, if this trade was made in your fantasy league, it would get vetoed and the donors would get kicked out of the league for collusion. <laughs> this is how bad this deal is. I don't get it. Great job by the Cardinals absolutely stealing one of the best players in the NFL for practically nothing. Well, it has not been a surprise in NFL circles to find Diggs as wanted out of Minnesota now for a while. He gets that. He gets shipped to Buffalo and Josh Allen tossing him passes. But the haul that Spielman got here, a first-round pick along with it, Excellent work for getting a guy out of there that some people think maybe could have been a bit of a problem inside the locker room, coupled with getting a first-round pick and others. I thought that was a great win for Minnesota. Yeah, I, I really – that's the funny thing. You look at, at the trade the Bills made uh, with the Vikings, and you say, well, if Stephon Diggs cost that much, how did DeAndre Hopkins cost like one-third of that or one-quarter of that? I, Stephon Diggs is a nice player, but he's not DeAndre Hopkins. But that said, Stephon Diggs is a very good player. He He's going to fit very well in Buffalo, I think. They needed a number one guy. They had John Brown, who's a, a good receiver, but he's, he's kind of uh, limited in what he does. He's a deep threat. They needed somebody to give Josh Allen who can, you know, get open on the line, kind of win one-on-one matchups, be a number one guy. I think Stephon Diggs is, you know, he's not one of the maybe 10 best receivers, but maybe 20. I mean, he's he's a very good player. I think he's going to do just fine. I thought that was a good move for Buffalo because, hey, at some point, just what good do these draft picks do you? Go get a guy. You know? <laughs> Go get a sure thing if you want to compete with the Patriots for the ACs. But you're right. I thought it was a good deal for Minnesota, too. They got a ton of picks, a first-rounder where they can draft a guy to replace Stephon Diggs, basically, if they want to. I thought it was a good deal for both sides. I really I saw what both sides were trying to do. I think they accomplished it. And I, I kind of one of those deals where I, I'm not going to say either one won the deal because I think both of them accomplished their goals there. Frank, out of time for today, but plenty of airtime coming in the coming weeks and months ahead. I have a feeling I'm going to be uh, ringing your bell a couple of times here. We'll put a cap on free agency soon. Thanks so much for your time today. (laughs) Sounds great. Appreciate it. Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports. With us here, Miller & Condon continues taking you up until noon. Coming up on the other side, we're going to look at the bracket that could have been. Shelby Mass from USA Today will be my guest. Bracketwag.com, his final bracket, what it looked like, and he's... Do it a fun simulation over at his website, BracketWag.com, where you can vote on the brackets. Who would win with the potential matchups that we were going to see? That's coming your way next. With you till noon, Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO and now. 10- can solve hunger.
Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Shouldn't have played the music coming back. Welcome back in. It's Miller and Condon on KXNO. Trent Condon here with you solo for about the next hour. Ken will drop by one final time at about 11.45, but we go back to the phone line right now. We got Shelby Mast, our guy throughout college basketball season, talking brackets and a whole lot more. As he joins us, you see his brackets up at USA Today, and also you can find it at bracketweg.com. Shelby, no NCAA tournament, the music. Made my heart hurt just a little bit there. I shouldn't have brought that back uh, coming back from the break. There will no, be no basketball, but you're doing something a, a little bit different to try to at least keep us entertained. A virtual tournament. Tell us a little bit about what you have going on. Yeah, we've never had to do anything like this because we've always had real basketball to, to go to. But since we don't this year, I took the final bracket that I did when the game stopped and I am going to play it out in real time as if the games were played. All of this on Twitter, not play-by-play. I'm not that fast. (laughs) But in-game updates for the games and then give final scores, and we'll do that all the way through to the championship game on April 6th. And to help kind of fill the void a little bit, I have created a bracket pick'em game that you can access through bracketwag.com, free to enter. And as of now, there's no prizes that my wife's saying, she might be able to get a shirt custom made, so the winner might get a shirt. Uh, and so I'll, you, know, you can go make your picks now up until tip-off of the first virtual game, uh, 11 p.m.-ish Central on Thursday the 19th, and just play it on through and try to have some fun with it. Well, Shelby, you had your final bracket that came out after the conclusion of the games. We got a half of basketball in the Big East Tournament last Thursday, one of the more surreal moments uh, of of certainly the sports landscape over the last week, knowing that when that thing went to halftime, it was going to be over, as everybody else had been already pulled off the floor before the games began with conference tournament time. And certainly the biggest uh, note, note from that is from our state. You and I, the Northern Iowa Panthers, moved into your final bracket with a couple of teams bumping out. What led you putting the Panthers into your final bracket? Well, after all the games were called, I went ahead and did it as if this was Selection Sunday. And so I really poured over those team resumes, and, and I was torn between Northern Iowa, Xavier, Texas, and Texas Tech. And, and Texas and Texas Tech, I think, the, had they played, the winner would have gotten in over Xavier. But one thing the committee has stressed these past couple of years is how you've done and the opportunities you've had uh, against quad one and two. And Northern Iowa was the only team with a winning record and the reason I picked Xavier over the two Texas teams is they had a much better overall strength of schedule, and I think those would have been tiebreakers that the committee would have gone with. Obviously, if more games had been played, then things might or probably would have changed, but I ended it the same time they did, and that's what I came up with. Panthers would be playing in one of the playing games in Dayton against Xavier, the other playing game, NC State against Cincinnati. So your uh, bracket simulation contest, the virtual tournament starting this evening, will it be you and I, Xavier, tonight? Uh, let me check my schedule. Tonight, yes. They, uh, they're eight ten Central Time, or half hour after that first game. And I'll just, you know, a few updates. It's not play-by-play again, but and then we'll have the winner move on to the next round. 
So the simulation that you do, is is it a computer program that you have, or you just draw numbers out of the head? How, how does the simulation work? I'm just winging it out of my head. Okay. I've watched these teams enough. I kind of yep. know. Uh, it's kind of like how I would fill out, my, fill out my own bracket if this were it, how I think things would go. Uh, so there'll be some upsets. There'll be some buzzer beaters. There'll be some overtime games. There'll be a few surprises. Um, but I, I mean, I, I'm not going to do anything too crazy, like pick two 16 seeds to advance. Uh, not even one. I, I'll throw that out there. No 16 seed wins. But you know, it's it, why not? It's fun. It gives me something to do. I'd already had that time planned to be watching basketball, so I'll just talk about it. No doubt. The winner of uh, the UNI Xavier game moves on in the virtual tournament to take on Ohio State, the five seed in the Midwest region. The other local team, the Iowa Hawkeyes. You had finished as a number six seed. Of course, there was hope if Iowa could win a couple of games in the Big Ten tournament that they could move up that seed line, maybe make a run of the championship, go up as high high as a four. But they finished years at number six. They get Wichita with Duke awaiting them, the winner of Duke and Boston University in the other side from Greensboro there. The Hawkeyes, though, solid six seed for you. And Any thinking back and forth about a different seed line for the Hawkeyes? No, they were my last six seed, but I was pretty set with them there at the at that time. I don't, I didn't feel any of the seven seeds could be up there. Penn State, I had heard a lot about them. Possibly, uh, or other people had them on the sixth line. I wasn't comfortable with that due to their non-conference strength of schedule, hmm. and they lost a lot of games coming down the stretch. Uh, I, I felt Iowa had a good enough year where I was very comfortable on the sixth line, and so that's where I kept them. One thing that's always intriguing, and you always wonder. Now, do does the NCAA committee do they do these things on purpose? I was looking in your Midwest bracket, Kentucky the three seed against Bradley. I think that'd be fun getting to see Missouri Valley's team getting their shot against Kentucky. But on the other side, Virginia Indiana. You regardless of what the matchup would be in the round of thirty two, Kentucky against either of those teams, either the rivalry renewed against the Hoosiers or Kentucky against the defending national champion, the Hoos on that one. It just it seems to play out that way, even if you're not doing it on purpose, right, Shelby? Yeah, I have, there's so many times that I have gone over this stuff. I mean, you look at uh, a playing game I've got on the 11 line: Cincinnati, North Carolina State. The winner plays West Virginia. Well, Cincinnati, West Virginia. There's the Bob Huggins Bowl. Oh yeah. Um, so it, 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 it's weird how this stuff works out, uh, and, it, and by no means do I try to do it because I didn't even realize Indiana-Kentucky, I mean, I knew they were there, but I didn't even think about the rivalry, and I just now caught that Cincinnati-West Virginia. So it, you don't realize how these things work out until the bracket's done, and then you really get to studying things. It's like, oh, that's a pretty good one. That's one that I, you know, if the committee did try to do things, that's what I could see them doing. Uh, at one point, I had Cincinnati versus UCLA in the playing game. That's the Mick Cronin Bowl. <laughs> yeah, there, there's some other ones that are out there. We had... Oh, I think it was Kerry Miller from Bleacher Report, and his bracket had Iowa playing East Tennessee State. Well, the reason that's a big deal is because Steve Forbes, he's an Iowa native, the head coach for East Tennessee State and the Buccaneers. And Auburn was in there also. Bruce Pearl, a former Iowa assistant. It just shows you how interconnected, though, regardless of trying to do it or not to try to do it, you're going to find those angles. That's just the way the college basketball is. Everybody is interwoven. Yeah, there is, it, it, and it, I agree. It's it's an odd thing that happens, but it seems to happen every year where there's some sort of underlying story that goes along uh, with that a certain matchup. It may not necessarily be first round or second round; it could be later on. Mm-hmm. But it, yeah, there's there's so many coaches that have made so many stops 
and have so many assistants that have gone on. It just It's like a spider web. It just keeps going out, and eventually it's going to come back uh, and, and play out right there in front of our eyes. It is the Bracket Simulation. You can find Shelby on Twitter at BracketWag, W-A-G. That's where you can find him, and he will be simulating things, starting with the Panthers and Xavier tonight after that 16-versus-16 matchup. But we'll be looking for tonight on Twitter. Shelby, thanks for your time today. Yep, thanks for having me, guys. Shelby Mast, as he joins us all throughout college basketball season, one final look at the brackets, a different look, a different feel, and not quite as good, but uh, went through, played around with the simulations. Here was what I came up with for my final four. Oh, boy. Might have to reevaluate. Villanova against Kansas, and on the other side, Michigan, Michigan State. Michigan the six seed, Michigan State the three and maybe a little too much love out of the Big Ten in that one. I'll keep playing around. We'll talk with you coming up in the second hour with Zubin Mahente from ESPN. That's next.